Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, August 26th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. The Republican National Convention ramping up on its second night as a parade of speakers, including the First Lady, pushed for a second term for President Trump. But controversy persists amid repeated violations of protocol and potentially the law. Two people shot and killed and another wounded in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as protesters demand justice following a police shooting there. Officials not confirming yet why those victims were attacked. And new controversy over coronavirus testing. The federal government now saying those who are asymptomatic do not need to be tested. But that guidance at odds with previous recommendations from the head of the CDC. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the Republican convention, night two in the books. Two of the president's children addressing the convention, painting a Biden, a Biden victory as a disaster for the country. And First Lady Melania Trump making the case for four more years for her husband. But as Andrea Linares explains, it was a night of many breaks in protocol and some of those sparking more than just controversy. The Republican National Convention is in full swing. Without fail, President Donald Trump has been fighting for you. With more big names coming out for President Trump and aiming their attacks directly at his Democratic opponent, Joe Biden. I fear Biden will choose war again. He supported the war in Serbia, Syria, Libya. Joe Biden will continue to spill our blood and treasure. President Trump will bring our heroes home. Tuesday's theme, Land of Opportunity. Front and center, more members of the Trump family. My father built a thriving economy once, and believe me, he will do it again. It was a night of firsts. Never before has the White House been used as a backdrop for a party convention. Critics say it crosses the ethical line and raises questions of legality using the power of the presidency for political gain. In an unprecedented move, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo addressed Americans from Jerusalem, violating his own policy that political appointees not engage in political activity to back a candidate. President Trump has put his America First vision into action. It may not have made him popular in every foreign capital, but it's worked. And then there was a surprise naturalization ceremony, using the process as a way to highlight legal immigration to the U.S. Trump also putting the spotlight on his criminal justice record, granting a presidential pardon to convicted bank robber John Ponder, who has devoted his life to helping other former prisoners reenter society. Finally, closing the night, First Lady Melania Trump. Stepping into the redesigned Rose Garden and into a political spotlight she often tries to avoid. The First Lady addressing the coronavirus pandemic. The invisible enemy COVID-19 swept across our beautiful country and impacted all of us. My deepest sympathy goes out to everyone who has lost a loved one. And my prayers are with those who are ill or suffering. I know many people are anxious and some feel helpless. I want you to know you're not alone. 
She was uncompromising in her defense of her husband, defiant in the face of the president's critics. We all know Donald Trump makes no secrets about how he feels about things. Total honesty is what we as citizens deserve from our president. House Democrats are now investigating if Secretary of State Mike Pompeo violated federal law. Representative Joaquin Castro cited the Hatch Act and State Department guidance saying that Senate-confirmed presidential appointees may not even attend a political party convention or convention-related event. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And joining me now for a preview of what to expect on day three of the Republican National Convention is Edwin Piti reporting from Washington, D.C. Edwin, what's on the agenda for tonight? Hi, Lorraine. Definitely the highlight for, for tonight will be Vice President Mike Pence. He's scheduled to officially accept the nomination from the GOP to be President Trump running mate. That will happen in Fort McHenry. That's in Baltimore, Maryland, only 40 miles away from the White House and sources are telling us that his speech is going to be designed to hit very hard Joe Biden, not even focus a lot on Kamala Harris, but to hit the top of the Democratic Party right now because of them having uh, a socialist agenda. But another speaker for tonight will be Marsha Blackburn. She's a senator for the state of Tennessee. She has been one of President Trump's more loudest voices defending him along the way, but also somebody that is known for being um, against abortion. But now I can tell you that most of the attention tonight will be focused on Kelly and Conway. Her name is still on the list to be one of the speakers tonight, but it's unclear if she will participate that after last Sunday, she spoke to President Trump in the Oval Office and made him aware that she's planning to leave the administration by the end of the month to deal with family issues. And talking about family, many people are criticizing uh, the Trump family for their high participation in this convention, calling it a family affair. Tonight is the turn of Lara Trump. She's uh, Eric's Trump, uh, Eric Trump's wife. He's one of the sons of President Trump. And also another speaker for tonight is Christy Nome. She's the governor of South Dakota. She was well known after she supported President Trump during his trip to Mount Rushmore on July 4th. Now, she became very popular after many reports came up of saying that President Trump was planning on replacing Mike Pence with her. But of course, up to this point, Lorraine, that didn't happen, but we're going to be following everything that happened tonight because President Trump is also scheduled to make a couple of appearances throughout the night. Live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you. Thank you, Edwin Piti. We are for sure going to be watching. And for their take on the convention so far, we have two voters joining us who just happen to be brothers, Jose and Alberto Gonzalez, two lifelong Republican voters who are now on opposite sides of the aisle. Thanks for being here to you both. Let's begin by establishing you both come from a Cuban-American family. Your parents left Cuba in the 60s after Castro took power, met in Puerto Rico, and they settled here in Hialeah, Florida where they raised four children. Your whole family normally votes Republican, but let's start with you, Alberto. You are not voting for President Trump. You're instead voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Can you tell us why? Yes, uh, thank you for having us. Um, really, you know, as a Cuban-American born in, in Miami, raised by our dad, who, you know, was a small, man, a small business owner and, you know, he really instilled in us a, a sense of honesty and decency is really important in how you conduct yourself. And that, and that's something that's been missing from Trump from the very beginning. 
it's it's just it's it's been I've been really disillusioned with how the party has just completely embraced this man who who just constantly lies and and you know all politicians you know do their share of lying and, and I just I don't know I've just been really been disillusioned since uh, four years ago when the party has just embraced this man which never really represented all the the values that the party uh, talked about for so many years so it's just been. It's really been a conflict that I've had for a while, and and yeah, me and my brother, we have lively debates, but you know, we love each other, and we always, um, at the end of the day, we're family first. Which is most important. But Jose, now let's go to you. You voted for Trump in 2016 and plan to vote for him again in 2020. Can you talk to us about why you support President Trump? <clears throat> uh, my first uh, reason uh, back in 2016 was. Uh, the Second Amendment is a big deal for me, uh, trying to stay away as far as we can from communism, socialism. Uh, it's very important to me. So, And also it appealed that he was not a politician. He was a businessman, a successful one. So I thought, okay, this is a good idea to try something new. Uh, so that maybe he's not, he is an imperfect person, as we all are. But now that he's proven himself to me, as a, a go-getter. I mean, he's done so much, everything he's promised, even more so. The beginning of his presidency, uh, ISIS was uh, rampant. We, we were in the verge of war with Korea. You don't hear about those things anymore that's been taken care of. Uh, Jerusalem, uh, the embassy in Jerusalem, uh, I mean, just on and on, not to mention the economy and jobs for everyone. I mean, the country is way better off with Donald Trump, and he's Given the opportunity, he's going to make it even better. And Jose, um, let's stay with you. Um, you run a su successful fourth lick company with your other brother, a company that your father started, we understand, with a truck repair shop. How has the pandemic affected your business? It's, um, it's hurt us quite a bit. We were an essential business um, because we need to... Uh, uh, keep moving. So we were working and we got help from the federal government through the PPE program, which really saved us. Again, something that Donald Trump uh, did for us. Uh, things are getting better now and getting back to normal. Uh, so, and I think, I think the pandemic is all on its way down. So that being said, Jose, you're satisfied with how the pandemic has, you know, transpired and how things are recuperating in your opinion. Now I want to go to Alberto. Alberto, how do you feel the president has handled the pandemic? Um, you know, it, this is part of the, the dissolution with um, the party and, and Trump from the very beginning, you know, when he said things like, you know, the pandemic is a hoax. And that's, I understand that that's, he's in a rally and he's saying things and it's kind of like part of, uh, you know, rousing up the crowd. But I mean, when you're the president of the United States, every single word you say and tweet and write matters. I mean, it has implications on the whole country and sometimes the world. So you just can't be so loose with your lips like that. And, and that's the kind of thing that I know some people say, hey, he, you know, at the end of the day, he gets things done. But it's it's not always getting things done. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a constant chaos. That That's the part that um, that really has me conflicted. You know, it's, it's just, you know, you want a president that runs a country 
and you don't have to check the, your, the news feed every day to see what crazy thing he says. It, it matters. It really does matter. I mean, the Republican Party impeached uh, Clinton because they said character matters. And, and I, I still believe that. And Alberto, do you still consider yourself a Republican? I've, uh, since I moved here to North Carolina, you know, you have to re-register when you move, and I registered as an unaffiliated uh, independent. But I do vote, I mean, I voted for Romney back in whenever that was, and um, so, you know, I, I do tend, I'm more of a centrist, uh, center-right, so, I mean, there's some things about Trump that I, I liked, definitely. You know, the fact that he's a, a you know, developer, you know, I work as a city planner, so I, I like that aspect. I thought we were going to get that infrastructure investment, and I thought he was going to do a lot of good things for, for cities and, and metropolitan areas, and, and I was really looking forward to that. And some of that just hasn't happened, and just now, you know, just the division, and and I know the, he didn't start the division. The country's been divided, and but but the the job of the president is to unite the country, to to be that that office that unites us all, because we're all, at the end of the day, we are one American family, and we have to work together. Well, we want to thank you both, Alberto and Jose Gonzalez, siblings on opposite sides of the political spectrum, for presenting your perspective. We really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you so much you for having, having us. In the U.S., cases dropping in some states and rising in others. This as the CDC makes a change to its guidelines that has many experts puzzled, while colleges and campuses across the country report outbreaks. Eight months into the pandemic and now a major change to the CDC coronavirus guidelines, saying if you have no symptoms, you don't necessarily need a test, even if you may have been exposed. A direct shift from what Director Robert Redfield told ABC News last month. Anyone who thinks they may be infected independent of symptoms um, should be and should get a test. The CDC has not explained the change and many doctors are puzzled by it. On Tuesday, Dr. Anthony Fauci explaining there is still so much scientists don't know about the virus. When you're dealing with a work in progress, things change. Uh, you learn things in real time as weeks and months go by. And you've got to keep an open mind that you certainly don't know the whole story. Nationwide, average new case counts have dropped more than 20% in the last two weeks. The drop fueled by a decline in the South and West. They shut down the bars and restaurants. They started making masks more mandatory. They started increasing rules around social distancing. In parts of the Midwest, cases are rising. Our positive infection rate from this weekend continues an alarming trend in the wrong direction for Kansas. Kansas State University announcing they will now randomly test students to avoid an outbreak. But in other states, college campuses are in crisis. More than 530 students testing positive at the University of Alabama and nearly 160 at the University of Missouri. Meanwhile, as the race for a vaccine continues worldwide, experts are now saying that patients that have gotten reinfected may be a key part of understanding the disease. Doctors in Europe announcing that two European patients were reinfected with the coronavirus. The first case was reported on Monday in Hong Kong. 
The worry now in places like Florida where cases are dropping is the rise in positive tests among kids. The state health department there confirming almost 9,000 new cases within children as schools reopened. Meanwhile, a German study found that 85% of COVID-19 patients showed at least one symptom of the disease. The research was conducted by the Robert Koch Institute with more than 2,100 patients between late June and early July. Those with coronavirus antibodies reported experiencing symptoms such as fever, shortness of breath, or coughing. The researchers explained that it shows the importance of testing people based on their symptoms. The study also found that 40% of those patients previously tested positive for COVID-19 no longer had antibodies. However, the scientists warn that it doesn't mean they're not immune to the virus. A very well-known doctor has volunteered to participate in a COVID-19 vaccine trial. That man, a prominent Peruvian oncologist, explained his decision to U News and what he hopes to accomplish. Here's Gianni Aponte. For 30 years, Dr. Elmer Huerta has been a known and respected face among Latinos in the United States, thanks to his professional work with the media educating the community about health issues. But now Dr. Huerta has taken finding solutions to health problems one step further by volunteering for a COVID-19 vaccine clinical trial being run by pharmaceutical giant Moderna. Doctor, why do you decide to participate in this study? In estos años, yo he alentado a mucha gente para que participe en estudios clínicos, porque yo pienso que es la única Over the years, I have encouraged many people to participate in clinical trials, and when this opportunity came, I said to myself, why wouldn't the doctor who encourages people to participate in clinical trials participate? He applied online as the protocol dictates and was selected. A few days later, he was already starting the process. The first thing he had to do was verify the absence of the virus in his body. The second step was a complete physical exam. I'm waiting for the medicine to be prepared and the computer already chose me. I don't know if I'll be in the group for the medicine or the placebo group. Not knowing which group you're in is important so that the person does not alter their behavior. The volunteer just becomes a number. There is an application on my cell phone that is very interesting that they made me download yesterday. Every day for the next 25 months, I will have to report daily if I have symptoms or health problems. Another aspect that makes Dr. Huerta's contribution even more significant is that right now, Latinos are underrepresented in COVID-19 vaccine trials. 50% of this disease is occurring in African Americans and Latinos, and only 10% of the participants are Latinos and 5% African Americans. That means that when conclusions are drawn, we are not going to be included in those conclusions. This man of science has always been committed to his community. That is why he says he could not stand by. He considers his participation in this trial as part of his contribution. Reported by Lourdes del Rio, this is Gianni Aponte for U News. Violence erupting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, just days after the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Police say two people were shot and a third is recovering from two separate incidents. It was unclear if that shooting was tied to major protests rocking the city. Meanwhile, as Rafael Rodriguez reports, Blake's family is urging calm even as tensions rise. No justice! Protesters back on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. They're demanding action for Jacob Blake, who was hospitalized after getting shot by police at close range. 
Blake was struck in front of his three sons. When you look at that video, that horrific video, where is the humanity? Some damage, including burned out vehicles, major fires, graffiti and smashed storefronts seen throughout the state and elsewhere since Sunday's shooting. If Jacob knew what was going on as far as that goes, the violence and the destruction, he would be very unpleased. Blake, who underwent surgery Tuesday, is partially paralyzed. His family says possibly for the rest of his life. It is going to take a miracle for Jacob Blake Jr. to ever walk again. As family and friends hope for exactly that, they're calling for peaceful protests. I have beautiful brown skin, but take a look at your hand. And whatever shade it is, it is beautiful as well. I also have been praying even before this for the healing of our country. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. In Atlanta, many filled the streets to protest just two days after the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. A number of protesters took to the streets during what Atlanta police called non-peaceful protests. One officer was injured and a number of buildings were reportedly vandalized. In all, eight arrests were made. Meanwhile, in Portland, Oregon, police declared a riot after a gathering arose outside City Hall. 25 people were arrested on the 88th straight day of protest in that city. Tear gas was once again used on demonstrators despite local and state ordinances prohibiting those dispersal techniques. And police in Kentucky arrested dozens of protesters Tuesday. They were calling for justice in the death of Breonna Taylor. She was killed by police in March when they were serving a no-knock warrant at her home. Protests remained peaceful, but many demonstrators blocked traffic. We're getting new images today on the destruction left behind by Hurricane Laura in Cuba, which struck the island nation earlier this week as a tropical storm. More than 30 communities in a mountainous area remain isolated after a bridge collapsed. Local media reported that the storm had brought heavy rain, causing rivers to rise and localized flooding. No loss of life has yet been reported, but more than 316,000 people were evacuated and thousands of homes were damaged. And one and a half million people across Louisiana and Texas are under some type of evacuation order as Hurricane Laura intensifies over the Gulf of Mexico. The storm could threaten to Category 4 and is expected to make landfall as early as tonight. The coronavirus pandemic is adding an extra layer of worry and complications to the storm. Some either worry about being in a shelter setting, others having trouble leaving. Evacuations have been ordered for areas in the storm's path. And nearly a year ago, a five-year-old girl went missing from a playground in New Jersey, leaving her family and an entire community devastated. Now there appears to be new information in the case. Fabiola Galindo brings us the update. It's been 11 months since Dulce Maria Alaves was kidnapped at a park in Bridgetown, New Jersey. A new FBI report revealing she could still be alive are bringing hope to her family. I would tell people to please say something. I am always waiting at night for a phone call, says Dulce Maria's grandmother, who spoke to us from work. Detectives are still looking for her. 
Just last week, they sent me pictures of five different girls. But since everyone is wearing masks, it's hard to recognize her, she adds. In an interview with a local newspaper, the FBI agent in charge of the case said it's probable that the kidnapper didn't have plans to take Dulce Maria, but saw the opportunity when she was separated from her mother and took it. These cases are, are treated uh, with a lot of respect, a lot of, you, you got to remember, FBI agents have uh, children too, so uh, they take these cases very seriously. Ex-FBI agent Manny Gomez is not part of the case, but he's seen plenty of cases in his several decades of work. Sometimes the person's a teenager when they find them. Uh, or they find evidence uh, that unfortunately the, the person has uh, passed away, has died. And that's why eyewitnesses should come forward, he adds. It depends a lot on witnesses. There were definitely other people in that park. Uh, hopefully, once they see uh, more media coverage of this, they people there will find themselves voluntarily coming forward. Anyone with information about this case can contact the authorities anonymously. There is a reward of up to $75,000. The family is asking for everyone's help. I am thankful for those who share my grandchild's picture. That's the only way to find her, because we can't do it alone. We need this to get to her. The family is planning another vigil for September 16, the day when Dulce Maria disappeared almost a year ago. In New Jersey, Fabiola Galindo, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. U News, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. A major new health warning is out today. A new study suggesting any level of caffeine can harm a developing fetus. The research, published in the journal BMG, looked at 37 observational studies surrounding the link between caffeine and pregnancy. Researchers found that caffeine consumption was associated with miscarriages, stillbirths, low birth weights, childhood acute leukemia, and childhood obesity. The authors recommend that pregnant women should abstain from all coffee and caffeinated products. Frito-Lay is recalling barbecue-flavored potato chips that may contain undeclared milk products. The company says it happens when barbecue chip bags were accidentally filled with another flavor. That flavor contains milk products, which could make a lot of people, uh, certain people with allergies, very ill and in some cases be life-threatening. The incorrect bags went out to more than 10 states. The recall affects several sizes of barbecue chip bags from 1 ounce to 15 and a half ounce bags. No other flavor was impacted. And listen to this. Lucky Charms maker General Mills will be selling pouches of its famous marshmallows for a limited time beginning in September. Just magical marshmallows will be sold in six-ounce packages and will feature the eight flavors typically included in cereal boxes. It's the first time Lucky Charms marshmallow pouches will be available nationwide. It was not immediately clear how long the product will remain available. 
And as the pandemic continues to severely impact the domestic economy, American Airlines announcing on Tuesday that it plans to cut 19,000 employees in October when the federal aid carries, carriers received expires. The airline will have approximately 40,000 fewer employees in October compared to March when it employed over 140,000 people. On top of the expected 19,000 layoffs, about 12,500 employees have left the company voluntarily and about 11,000 more are expected to leave in October. And some Bed Bath & Beyond employees will soon be looking elsewhere for work. The retailer announced 2,800 job cuts are expected as part of an accelerated restructuring plan. Officials say their restructuring move could bring nearly $150 million in savings. The company also plans to focus on improving its digital-first shopping environment. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.